0: You're listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for the movie Contraband. I don't get that one. I don't know what time Well, to do. maybe it will, be ex- it will be explained later. <laughs> maybe it won't just hold,
1: You just cool your jets. All right, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: my name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Mielkanski. Mue- 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 uh, hey, everyone. I'm Stein Grimmer. <laughs> I thought your the- name was doofuses. Fucking Icelanders. That's what I have to say about that. And uh, Kelly Wand, who has a tagline for either
1: contraband or maybe Reykjavik Rotterdam. Kelly Wand, what do you have for us this week? It's for contraband. Okay. Hey, who does Oliver North hang out with in his garage and wear on his finger? His Iran contraband. Little '80s humor from Kelly Wand, topical. <laughs> yeah, and also, wedding's not really a who, but that's perfect joke, topical wise.
0: Uh, that's okay because we're doing a, a very non-topical movie, uh, Dingus. What's the deal with this week's movie? What's what's going on? This 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 didn't start this week. What, what's the deal? Well, it is from this year, though. Does that count? Mm, is it from st- this universe? Yeah, many things are from this year that we are not discussing on, the, on this podcast. So why this movie?
1: I um,
2: because this is pertinent. I think it really relates to what we're looking at in the world today.
0: I would have gone personally with the fact that it comes out on DVD this week.
1: Oh, good point. Damn, Pertinent like Iran Contra jokes. Those are going <laughs> on today in the news.
0: All right, so take it away, Dingus. What's the deal? Anyway, yeah, this week we
2: saw Contraband, Mm a 2012 American action crime drama thriller movie Mm -hmm. about an ex-smuggler who has to go back and do another score. The movie is based on the 2008 Icelandic movie Reykjavik Rotterdam and is directed by Baltasar Kormakor, who starred in the original, and it is written
0: by Aaron Guzikowski. Is that guy any relation to you? Yep, he's my cousin. Because <laughs> you have the same last name, so I thought. Okay, good.
2: <laughs> We're all related. Uh, it stars Ben Foster, David O'Hara, Kate Beckinsale, Lucas Haas, Caleb Landry-Jones, and Mark Wahlberg. Mm.
1: Contraband is rated R for violence,
2: pervasive language,
0: and brief drug use.
1: Pervasive so what, language is so offensive to me when it's that. It's
0: yeah, but at least oh. it's not throughout. It's 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 not pervasive language throughout... It's just bouts of pervasive languages. Invasive yeah, would be worse.
2: But I think it's just like a, some upwards of 156 F-words and maybe like a, a C-word.
1: F-words, N-words. Is there, are we just going to replace every swear word with its fucking uh, first uh, nickname, acronym? Shit. Yeah. Uh,
0: I actually already busted out an F-bomb on this podcast, so I, I feel that I've earned my cussing credibility.
1: When did that happen?
0: I, I dropped an F-bomb quoting Reykjavik Rotterdam uh, uh, early on in the podcast. You know, we'll get into that in a moment. I don't speak Icelandic. Neither did this guy. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, Contraband opened uh, last January, and on its opening weekend, it was number one, which, uh, keep in mind, this is January. January releases, yeah. and be it opening number one in January, I don't think it's any great Against shakes. what? Oh, gosh. Is he the Witch? <laughs> Probably well, it was the, it was the yeah. second week of January, so that's better than the first week. Right? Could be worse. Dingus has a good point. Yeah, but it opened at number one, made twenty four million over the course of its run. It, it did fairly well. It, it certainly uh, made about what you would expect from a Mark Wahlberg vehicle. Uh, and, and speaking of about what you would expect from a Mark Wahlberg vehicle, it is at fifty one on Metacritic. <laughs>
1: Wow. You know, I always complain the numbers don't make sense, but this one makes perfect sense to me. Well, speaking of making such
2: 51... Does the the poster make any sense? How about that?
1: Well, here's... uh,
0: If you think it makes sense making 51 on Metacritic, check this out. On Rotten Tomatoes, So the Metacritic rating, that's the average rating that it gets from reviews that that offer, you know, scores. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes simply gauges whether or not the review is positive or negative. The percentage of positive reviews, 51.
1: What? Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, the Mayan
0: apocalypse. It is exactly like that. It's this rare bit of synchronicity. But it's real Uh, science. unlike Yeah. Exactly. So fifty-one on Metacritic and Rotten Holy Tomatoes.
1: Shit. So it's exact. So I was right. I I agree that it's fifty-one, and both the critic sites do. This Does is it the- take
2: time for that kind of thing to shake out? Is that why we see that now, as opposed to a normal movie?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I think Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic ratings. Let's tend just to- see
1: movies where they have the same rating from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's definitely a a miracle of modern mathematics. I, th- I think we. Could you know say. what's weird to me is the Titanic is like ninety nine percent in three D, I and mean, I didn't even want to see that fucking
0: thing. What do you mean ninety nine percent on rotten tomatoes? Oh, like yeah, on rotten tomatoes, it's
1: like ninety bazillion. I don't believe. Now,
2: it. now wait a minute. Is that are those new reviews or
1: just recycled? Yeah. Ebert's like, oh dude, so good that three D boob. No one mentions the boob either. They always go. Never mind. We'll do. Non-podcast.
0: Well, Kelly Wand, why don't we... If if you haven't seen Contraband, we haven't spoiled anything for you yet. That is about to change. (laughs) You're welcome, slaves. So, Kelly Wand, why don't you give us a spoiler-laden synopsis of the events that transpire in Contraband?
1: Oh, a contrabopsis. (laughs) Rock and roll. (laughs) By the way, I, I... I don't, normally, I don't normally preface, but... Or I guess I do every week, but... This is probably the most retarded thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so I hope it lives up to that. <clears throat> Contrabopsis. Marky Mark's the best man or something at some wedding. When it's time to deliver his toast, he makes out with girlfriend... Oh, no, his wife, Kate Beckinsale. Fuck, when wouldn't you? That Irish actor Tom probably likes comes over and says some shit like, This fucking guy over here, but in Irish... Ben Foster's Wahlberg's brother or friend or cousin and ex-smuggling partner. It's hard not to pair up Wahlberg with better actors, huh? Now instead of smuggling, Wahlberg installs home alarm systems. Ben Foster's career consists of yelling at dudes standing near a cement mixer. He's like a human alarm system. The kid from Phantasm is Kate Beckinsale's sister. <laughs> Any time I time like that. He's a smuggler, too. He gets boarded and has to drop a shipment. So Giovanni Ribisi says he has to kill him, but that because that's more profitable than getting repaid. And I guess we're supposed to give a shit because the kid's panicky, effeminate, and Kate Beckinsale's brother. And Sheen Wahlberg have kids, so by default they're the good guys. Although Giovanni Ribisi has kids, and he's not the good guy. Nice tried child actress playing Ribisi's six year old daughter, but fuck you and your hypothetical destiny. <laughs> For some reason, <clears throat> I had to stick it to those child actors, Tommy take him down. Peg. Ruthless. Uh, yeah, they deserve it. For some reason, the Phantasm kids run in with custom officials has put him in a hospital bed, but luckily next time we see him, he's injury-free. Wahlberg goes to see Rabisi and offers to pay the debt in four weeks, but not all of it, because he liked Rabisi's brother. Rabisi tells him to fuck off and make it two weeks because he hated his brother. Meeting adjourned. After they both arbitrarily agree on Panama as the likeliest place to smuggle out drugs, counterfeit money, and or a Jackson Pollock painting in an armored truck out of with the most hassle, Foster tells Wahlberg that they should smuggle drugs like most normal people. But Wahlberg prefers to move money with horrible exchange rates because he's honest and has kids with Kate Beckinsale. They hack some ship manifests and find out that one's leaving soon for Panama with the entire roster of their old smuggling buddies who are also in the wedding party on board. What luck. The captain's J. Jonah Jameson, who despises Wahlberg and knows he's a smuggler, but that shouldn't make their plans too much more complicated. Maybe just to be on the safe side, bring along the phantasm kid who fucked up the last run and started all this shit. Then Wahlberg tells Foster to, quote, make the call. So Foster calls the Pentagon and has a buddy of theirs make up fake something cards for him. They have friends in the Pentagon, but their jobs and lives suck, and their easiest way to make a living is smuggling for shitholes. I thought writing movie synopses for free was bad. (laughs) Uh, Wahlberg visits Rabisi's house to tell him the good news that he's going to get his 700K back. Rabisi's reaction is to stick a gun in his face and threaten Kate Beckinsale. Wahlberg's reaction to this counteroffer is to somehow not get shot and then drag Rabisi down some stairs and punch him repeatedly. But Rabisi's six-year-old daughter he likes to watch TV with with a gun in his hand in their tenement apartment, apparently smuggling pays shit, is watching, so Wahlberg helps Rabisi up, brushes the blood off his dislocated jaw, and tells the kid they were, quote, just playing. Since Rabisi probably used that phrase when she walked in on him banging her mom, the kid's probably thinking he just had sex with Wahlberg. <laughs> Fuck, who hasn't? (laughs) Sorry, such a stack of tottering Jenga jokes. They get on the boat and it sails towards Panama. Sixteen days into the voyage, Captain Jameson suddenly realizes the person he hates most is part of his crew. But instead of just hurling him off the deck at the next port, he puts him in charge of carpet cleaning. Cargo ships have carpet? To save time or something, Wahlberg tells the Phantasm Kid, their most reliable mascot, to drain the oil pan from the propeller. The lovable kid interprets this as instructions to destroy the rudder and make it impossible to stop the boat. The anchor chains also jam, since the kid thought Wahlberg meant for him to do that, too. But luckily, there's a sledgehammer on board, so while the rest of the crew stares on vacantly and does nothing, Wahlberg pounds on the chain with it till the ship somehow stops, although they still hit the dock. Causing millions in property damage, killing a couple Panamanian stevedores, and probably making getting their boat turned around for the return trip without a working rudder probably challenging. Why does Cameron think I'd want to watch this shit in 3D? Terminator 2 is liquid metal, but the Titanic's slow metal seems like he picked the wrong anyways the panamanian chick bitches captain jameson out from invading her country again causing millions <laughs> in property damage and killing the stevedores but he says he's sorry and promises not to do it again or at least try harder not to so she walks away and doesn't file any paperwork on this international incident hooray for Wahlberg! Wahlberg and Lucas Haas go to pick up their giant cube of bullshit money, but the paper feels 2% unstarched to Wahlberg street-savvy fingertip, so when asked, he says that everything's, quote, not fucking bueno, and pours iodide on the money, and the guy's all, yeah, gringo uses the good paper at his warehouse. I don't want you to go there, but here's his address. Wahlberg goes to the warehouse, where luckily Gringo has another cube of money just sitting there. Since Wahlberg showed up uninvited to take his money cube, Gringo tries to interest him in taking down an armored truck in a few minutes, but Wahlberg says his cowboy days are over, so Gringo sticks a gun in his face and threatens to kill him. Wahlberg reconsiders his position on helping with the armored truck thing, and Gringo, knowing he can totally trust Wahlberg to watch his back after this exchange, agrees. Every agreement in this movie is prefaced with guns in the face. Been on those dates. The armored truck gig goes awesomely, except that everybody but Waldberg and Lucas Hawes die. <laughs> Luckily, despite being in an overturned truck during a shootout with the cops, they easily drive back to the boat and into a container in another truck, unmolested, also having snatched a Jackson Pollock painting that Gringo, being almost as huge an enthusiast for abstract and impressionism as the Panamanian police, just had to have, even if it cost him his life. Best way to get guys you've already threatened once with a gun that day to take you to the hospital, wave the gun at them again. Once Wahlberg and Haas are in the van, they've just driven into a shipping container on the docks with somehow nobody seeing, the crane lifts the container up. Doe, their buddy forgot to close the container, and the door's hanging wide open as it's raised hundreds of feet in the air, which also nobody sees. And placed somewhere among other containers, I guess they'll be able to get down from unseen later. Meanwhile, Ben Foster turns out to be evil and suddenly stupid, as he's apparently in league with Rubisi. Wait, so the Phantasm kid was working for Ben Foster but didn't know it, and Wahlberg didn't know it either? In an effort to stay on Wahlberg's good side till this stupid shitstorms died down, Ben Foster hits on Kate Beckinsale and bangs her head open a few times, then without checking to see if she's dead, wraps her in plastic and tries to embalm her body in cement, which in his defense by itself isn't technically disrespectful. Meanwhile, Wahlberg's back from Panama. He smuggled some drugs out in a bucket of carpet cleaner, which is also a drug. Luckily, he also installed Jonah Jameson's alarms, even though the dude hates him. Wahlberg's these cameras are so small, they'll go in the corner pitch was just that good. So the cops arrest Rubisi and Jameson, after Wahlberg, cleverly gets Rubisi to let his guard down by uneasily saying he needs to take a piss and edging along the wall while their backs are to <laughs> Good plan. Yay, none of the bad guys are dead except Gringo, but all are caught except for the Irish guy who was behind everything. Oh, wait, Walberg knows slouch himself in the abstract impressionism dis-dispartment. <laughs> also <laughs> stole the Jackson Pollock painting. The Irish guy knows he took it because he knows no one's smarter than Wahlberg's character. How much is that painting worth, Wahlberg quips. About 17 trillion, zillion, forty dollars, says Irish guy. in that <laughs> Irish accent I just did. And on the black market... Uh, like 20 bucks. They both <laughs> smile craftily. The end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kelly, one can we hear a little bit of that Irish accent again?
1: And uh, then Bogor and the, f- <laughs> and the f- Learns and-, <laughs> <laughs> and the Pinterest. Uh, all right, so I am the one that inflicted
0: this on you guys. Uh, you we- more on. We could have seen – there were movies that opened. We could have seen – I don't even know what opened this weekend. We could have seen one of those. I feel this was the lesser of several evils. Uh, And there were a few things, even though uh, this is absolutely pretty much just a Mark Wahlberg vehicle. For the most part, there were a few reasons I I really liked it and recommended it to you guys and wanted you to see it. So uh, any guesses as to what – tom thinks didn't suck about this movie <laughs> we can maybe put it that way or i'm assuming
1: actually did either of you really dig it uh i liked the direction i liked how every scene's like five seconds long that's kind of mm-hmm. good okay but i hated that it that ended happily i wanted everything in a disaster maybe it was the jk simmons burn after reading connection in my head mm-hmm. i wanted all these stupid asses to get just i wanted things to keep getting worse and then they stopped getting worse Okay, kind of so like 2012 wh- in that respect. <laughs> I liked 2012 until I realized people were going to live, and then I went, eh, this movie sucks. Oh, you're talking about the movie, not the year. Yeah, the year's great so far. <laughs> so far, right? Although yeah. still, too many survivors, just like the movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dingus, was there anything in this that, that worked for you, or or uh, what, what's your overall take? Kelly Wan liked the direction. Are you with him there?
2: Um, it just it felt... It was competent, some of it. I hated um, what Kelly Wan liked. I hated that the scenes. There, there were a couple scenes in particular that were five seconds, and then it was like, well, wait, what what, what happened right. in that scene? Why did you end that scene? If Didn't it was longer,
1: mean? it would have been lamer, maybe, though.
2: Like, so, like, like, like short. you know, you put your sisters and the boys in this when he, he says to Caleb Landry Jones, and then the scene's over, and suddenly he's getting a gun out of a box. I mean, let the scene play out. I couldn't stand that. I mean, uh, there are things I liked about the direction. There are these... Movements over the ship, a lot of its second unit stuff. But um, that reminded me actually of something Tom talked about last week, um, and I loved David O'Hara. I, I I really would have liked to watch a movie with Ben Foster and David O'Hara in it. But
1: um. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what do we know about this director? I can I make one last point. Sure, Thing sure. That I, really, I don't like movies where Mark Wahlberg sold to me as a genius. They always are. It's keep they keep doing it. Uh, yeah. Hold
0: that thought, so I wanna, I'm with you 100% there, Kelly Wand, and we'll, we'll talk right. about Wahlberg in a minute. But Dingus, what, like what do we know about this director? What can you tell us about him? First of all, you well, did manage to say his name out loud. That's more than I could accomplish. Can we hear it one more time?
2: Oh, well, I say it, Baltasar Kormakor. Very good. That's uh, racist. Uh, he has another name at the end of Kormakor, but I can't remember what it is. It's kind of like Tarsem. He, he just drops that. Uh, he, he starred in he starred in the Icelandic movie this was based upon, uh, Reykjavik Ráder's and I, I quite liked him. I mean, I like the way he looks. I like him very much. But um, but I don't know him from anything else. Is there anything else we should know him from?
0: No, not at all. He's he's a he's a, a, I don't know about well-known, but he's an established director in Iceland. He's worked a lot in TV and theater. Uh, he began as an actor. He transitioned more into direction. Uh, he was, of course, the lead, like you mentioned, Dingus, in the original Icelandic version of this movie. And he was instrumental in bringing it over to the U.S. and getting it made here and uh uh, of course he, he directed it and basically watched Mark Wahlberg play his part, uh, as he, right. as he was directing it. Um, so, uh, uh, what struck me though more than I think the direction and one of the things that I really, really liked about it, uh, is he got for his cinematographer a fellow named Barry Aykroyd. Uh, Barry it. Aykroyd is most recently known for uh, Hurt Locker, but before Hurt Locker, Barry Aykroyd had a background in a, of sort of a, almost documentarian realism, uh, this kind of grittiness. He did United 93 with Paul Greengrass, and before that, he did a lot of Ken Loach movies. And if you know Ken Loach movies, you, you know that has a very definite kind of angle to it, that, that sort of documentary realism. Uh, so I thought uh, with uh, Barry Aykroyd, I thought this movie looked fantastic. I mean, you know, it, it made pretty good use of, of New Orleans and Panama. Like, it went to two very distinct locations, and I just thought it looked great. Uh, so, so visually, I really liked it. And in a way, it reminded me of um, Unstoppable, which was another sort of over-the-top action movie, but with a real blue-collar heart to it. And a, a, a strong visual sense of place. Unstoppable was, of course, Tony Scott, who uh, did a lot of just sort of bloated visual technique stuff. But he couldn't resist making, I guess that was the heartland of Pennsylvania or whatever. He couldn't resist making it look great, which it did. And so I thought right. there was a similar visual quality and sort of working class hero aesthetic uh, to Contraband, which I really liked.
2: I totally agree with that. Um, and, and where I saw it, because I think you mentioned Unstoppable uh, last week, was in, in the scene where the, the ship is about to wreck. Um, and just those, those, those overhead shots of the, that huge ship moving forward and how they're trying to enhance the speed of it for the camera. So that it yeah. looks dangerous really yeah. reminded me of those those moments in Unstoppable. Yeah,
0: how are you right. gonna so put a train in an action sequence and how are you gonna put a cargo ship in an action sequence? Yeah. Exactly,
1: Dingus. Yeah. but so it's the same movie. It's just one's on a boat and one's on a train. Right?
0: Uh I I think Unstoppable relies way too much and, and it actually benefits from it, but Unstoppable is very much about sort of the uh how cool Denzel Washington is and how out of his depth Chris Pine is, and how wholesome Pennsylvania is. I mean, there's a lot of right. that going on, uh. in unstoppable. Whereas this is much more of an ensemble kind of movie. Uh, and let, let's talk about Mark Wahlberg because one of my big problems with this is uh, freaking Mark Wahlberg. I mean, he's just so just non-present. I mean, he's a bit. He's like a he's like a Sam Worthington-shaped hole in the middle of the movie, and I just.
1: Do people know this? Or, I mean, is it because it's obvious to me? And but it's like Planet Apes was 10 years ago, and then happening, I just don't why are we pretending it's it's really
2: a shame that the guy doesn't do more comedy because he's really good at that. And uh, for what for some reason within the last couple of months, I watched the other guys, which I didn't particularly like, but there's a couple of moments in it where Mark Wahlberg is just hilarious. He's got great comic timing, and instead, I mean, I guess the guy knows his business, and he knows he's going to make money doing action hero stuff, but, you know, that, that that freaking stuff where he's, you know, making fun of himself is great.
0: Yeah, and this is just so deadly serious and earnest, and there, there's just no sense that the guy can make fun of himself or can take himself lightly uh he, he's just like such a good guy who can do no wrong and like kelly once said i mean he's like a genius you know there in the original which dingus i know you and i have seen in, in reykjavik rotterdam the the lead character played by balthazar kormar uh is much more of a kind of a working man schlub he's not like an action hero uh yeah. and it, and and that helps a lot i think um yeah. so here it's mark just as this cardboard, cutout, stuffed shirt, action hero, placeholder kind of character, and with a really good supporting cast. I mean, Ben Foster can do no wrong. Uh, I really, really like, I think his name is Caleb Landry Jones, who plays the the younger brother. Uh, Kelly Wand, you saw Last Exorcism,
1: didn't you? Uh, I saw parts of it. I didn't didn't see the Exorcism part.
0: So do you remember Caleb Landry Jones from that, though? The, The kid who you said looks like the Phantasm kid?
1: Because he yeah, was also—he's the brother, right?
0: He's the brother, and he's amazing. And like, he's—I'd yeah, yeah. never seen him before. And the moment he showed up on screen in Last Exorcism, I was like, "Whoa, who is that dude? He's great." Uh, he was also one of the X-Men, which they didn't do much with him there. Uh, but uh, see, the Who's one that can fly? Yeah, yeah, the uh, flying, yeah. shrieking
1: one, or yeah. whatever. That's um, how
2: he got out of the container in this movie because they didn't show
0: that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't need to show it. There's the five seconds we don't need to see. But I, I
0: like right. that supporting cast. Well, you know, I guess Kate Beckinsale. I mean, I, there can be no... I mean, what a, what a perfect matchup for Mark I'm Wahlberg. I'm so
1: worried she's going to get killed by the cement. <laughs> I'm worried Mark Wahlberg is not heroic enough to save her. I'm such suspense. Oh, please drag this out another five minutes. Thank you. <laughs> but could you imagine, like, an ensemble movie like this, though, with a, a, a good actor, you know, without this kind of Sam Worthington-shaped Foster. hole in the middle? it's like and it's the fighter too it's like christian bale wins the oscar because he's scoring points off Wahlberg's vanilla oh yeah that is walberg's not a fair a fight point. is it yeah. very good point very good point yeah they put him off of the character actor who just fucking buries him which is it's kind of mean to walberg if you think about it they should put him up with someone lame <laughs> i don't know why well, can't we pop- have ben foster in the
2: lead of this movie Right, I mean, Ben Foster epic. is awesome, and there's—I don't know if there's a movie that I've seen him in that I didn't
1: wish I had more of him and less of the lead. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's um, as good as a badass, and he's—I don't know—such a waste. It's a way Like, I wonder if he's thinking that on the set. Like, why am I? Why is Wahlberg here? And I got to just do the blow and hit the back and sail while he's—he gets the kissing scene, and I get the butt breaker skull scene.
0: Oh, you know, Ben Foster's had his his moments in the sun, and it's probably like a fairly easy job for him. He just shows up, fairly quick shoot. He's not even in the whole thing. Uh, Just in and out, and he'll go do another movie like The Messenger somewhere. So, yeah.
1: Uh, or the, or the thanks. thanks for cheering me up.
0: the mechanic again is yeah. a perfect example dingus i mean he's he's X-Men so good 3. The, he's so good in the mechanic and he just he blows away uh jason statham in that like every scene in the mechanic it's like why
1: is statham in
0: the lead you know what what what, what does he have that, that ben foster doesn't have i mean this but, is ridiculous uh,
1: but yeah. statham knows he's retarded and i think Wahlberg doesn't know he's retarded and we're supposed to pretend he's not retarded, right I, that's would, yeah, I would. What yeah. I resent. You know, that.
2: I think. I think Mark Wahlberg knows exactly how smart he is. Uh, that didn't make any sense. I, th- I think Mark. Uh, <laughs> I think Wahlberg knows what he's doing. He's just doing what he thinks is going to make him money. I mean, the the stuff he's done leads me to think he's smart. Entourage. Entourage, or the, or the stuff that he's done that's funny, or you know, going on Saturday Night Live after they
0: make fun of him and then making fun of himself.
1: Uh, I, mean, I, no. I think the guy is smart. He, he wasn't was, making fun of himself.
0: But like Dingus is saying, I mean, this is clearly a vehicle. It's like the shooter or uh, what any other action vehicle that people show up to see because Wahlberg is, like, young and good-looking and has a great jaw, and everybody knows who he is. You know, that's what he's – you know, that's his assigned role here. Commodity. And even if it does sort of drag down the movie, at least he and the director and the producers have the good sense to surround him with, with, with good, capable actors. Uh, and I will say this in the movie's defense – I would prefer that Sam Worthington-esque shaped hole in the lead role to something like, and this it also reminded me of this movie, uh, Ben Affleck in The Town, where you have this vapid attempt at a De Niro performance. Uh, I, I think that does far less damage. What Wahlberg is doing in Contraband does far less damage to a movie than what Ben Affleck is doing in The Town.
2: Uh, that's, that, that's actually why. a really good point. But But why can't we have... Jeremy Remmer and Ben Foster in these parts instead.
0: Wait, what did you just call him? <laughs> Jeremy Remmer. <laughs> okay. I agree. Yes, you're right, Dingus. Yes.
1: Remmer. Uh. Jeremy Remmer. Jeremy uh, Remmer. By <laughs> the way, Tom, that, hmm?
2: that, Barry, uh, that Barry Aykroyd thing, there is one shot in this movie that totally made me think, oh, Hurt Locker, as soon as I saw it.
0: Is it where they discover all the wires to the bomb buried in the dirt? wait wait, what shot
1: spoiler alert
2: it's it's the shot um, right after they place the explosives on the uh, truck that they're hijacking or not hijacking that they're hitting and the explosive goes off and there's that slow motion shot pebbles rising where the henchman just goes whoa flying and that's such a a
0: hurt locker quote yes exactly exactly Uh, quote it's it's like the, uh, the the opening explosion in Hurt Locker where where Guy Pierce buys it. Uh, you, you know, it's this very stylized sort of beautiful slow motion explosion, and you see the 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 to represent sort of the shock waves going through the air. You see the pebbles on the ground. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, Dingus, what changes did you notice from the original Icelandic version? What stood what stood out for you?
2: What stands out for me is that they pumped twenty five or. More- so more minutes into this movie, um, which is totally bizarre. They added so many scenes they didn't need. Um, you know, that, that's not to say that the Icelandic movie doesn't have its problems. I mean, it kind of looks like a TV movie in some ways. Oh, uh, that's so mean,
0: Dingus, why would you say such a
2: thing? Cause I'm a mean person,
0: <laughs> but, uh, I, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it also streamlines so many things in such a wonderful way. I, I mean, to, to answer your question more clearly, um, in the in in Reykjavik, Rotterdam, the the hero who is named Christopher—we don't get to call him Chris—it's uh, his—it's his economic problem really that's driving him. He's a loser. His his family's being evicted from their apartment, um, and that's what's driving him. In addition to the thing with the brother and all the other stuff, but he's a loser and he has to make money to save his family's house, and also. His relationship with, um, Sebastian slash Steingrimmer in the original, uh, he's best friends with Ben Foster in the remake, but in the original, it's her ex lover. Right. I mean, so that whole thing of their moving in with him has all other layers of complication to it. And there's, there's a lot of little twists there. And, uh, you know, to say nothing of the, of
0: the final shot, which is, Save that, save that dingus because I want to, I want to specifically talk about that in a minute. But what what I liked about uh, the original, and there are, there are hints of this, like you just mentioned, in, in contraband. uh, There's this timeless idea that I think we are kind of losing sight with. Uh, Certainly in the States, we don't really know this. I'm sure some working class folks appreciate this. It's got to be an aspect of certain Scandinavian towns and places. Is Iceland Scandinavia, by the way? Is that too far removed? Does anyone know? Well, at any rate, so that that place, you know places like that in the North Sea, where where they used to be Vikings, and now they're in shipping, whatever how that works. Uh, there's this, there's this <laughs> sense. <not> right. <laughs> there's this sense of the hero having to go out to sea and being unable to protect his family, his loved ones. And, you know, that, that's as timeless as Odysseus. Uh, and and the, the contraband, that was one of the things that really struck me in contraband, is that even though Wahlberg is this invulnerable, always, you know, nobody can get the drop on him. The moment that he shows up at uh, Giovanni Ribisi's house and Ribisi pulls the gun, you think, you know, he kicks Ribisi's ass. You know, nobody can, he, he's invincible, he's a superhero for all intents and purposes, but he has to leave to, you know, he has to vacate the location of the movie to leave his family vulnerable in order to do what he has to do. So there's this great sense of having to set out to sea, and uh, it's just like Odysseus Lee, you know, being away from his wife and, and having to deal, when he comes back, with her suitors. and uh, there's this timeless idea of what sailors have to deal with. Uh, and there's a little touch of that, and it's developed a little bit more in Reykjavik, Rotterdam. Uh, I, I really liked that sense. Um... Uh, also, it's, it's notable that here, and this is part of this idea that you can't really have a hero do terrible things. You know, Breaking Bad has changed this a lot uh, in that Breaking Bad is about a guy who's, who's manufacturing crystal meth. And crystal meth does terrible things to people who use it. But the movie is willing to be about a guy who's, who's making crystal meth for the community. So here, he's not going to smuggle drugs He's just going to smuggle counterfeit money. That never hurt anybody. Victimless crime. You know, no big deal. And boy, he's going to flip his lid when he finds out that drugs are involved. You know, so he's got to be a total good guy. Uh, He can do no wrong. He doesn't kill anyone. I don't even think in that big bloated shootout, does he he shoot any of the Panamanian cops?
1: Probably not. Yeah. No, he's stuck in the van the whole time.
0: Right. So he can't do any terrible things.
1: Counterfeit Uh, money has no connection to drugs ever. That's no, wrong. it's it's uh, just you know oh, yeah. no, it's just really.
0: so that people can buy stuff cheaper from the corporations right. that would rip them off.
1: Exactly, it's, it's like a
0: very a Robin Hood thing. thing. Yeah, right. Uh, but in the Icelandic version, uh, he's not smuggling counterfeit money, of course. It's alcohol. Well, and that, and, that, like and so that, I found, found that
2: so quaint.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it, yeah, exactly. We think of like uh, I don't know. He's is that like what he's? There's... Yeah, smoking the bandit, smoking? boss is. hog. Is Wait, the no. bandit a, a, a bootlegger? Yeah, he's a
1: bootlegger. Okay. No, he has an elephant. Kind
0: of... Well, the thing with uh, Iceland is that, uh, again, uh, since Kaliwan has accused me of being racist against Scandinavian countries, I'll just yeah. go a little farther with this. Uh, one of the situations in a lot of Scandinavian countries is uh, is alcoholism. So the government in Iceland has... a. a it's not prohibition, but they control all alcohol. To buy alcohol in Iceland, you have to buy it from the government. It is, of course, heavily taxed. Uh, so there's a, there's a big trade in smuggling alcohol to the to the people of Iceland, and that's that's entirely a Robin Hood thing. I mean, who would have any qualms with cheaper beer and vodka? You know, that, that's like a human right. Uh, but that's, their that's like cigarettes exactly exactly but you, no no you, it's not dingus because cigarettes are like evil nowadays like if you were a cigarette smuggler in a movie these days what movie right. was it where somebody there's a movie where somebody has a truck full of cigarettes what, what was that uh
1: beverly hills cop three is that no, true what? is that true i think it is one of the beverly hills cops kelly wand is that true uh it's the first one but he's just pretending
0: right right it's like a sting operation yeah well these she days these days a cigarette smuggler would be as bad as like a cocaine smuggler that's like e- that's like evil Lowercase but, e, but still
1: evil. But lethal <laughs> weapon. He smokes because he doesn't give a fuck. Well, that was the eighties. That was allowed back then. Well, that was Beverly Hills Cop too. That was the same era. Right. The, the, that's what I'm
0: saying. Is these days you couldn't have the cigarette uh, merchants, the villain. Right. Right. But I, I think a, an alcohol merchant—that's fine because everybody, you know, everybody deserves a beer now and then. What the heck?
1: Where's <laughs> weed on this?
0: Uh, you know what? Weed. I think uh, that's fine. That's okay. Thanks. You know what like the movie we saw last week that had a, a you know got a, when I saw it the the audience in, uh, responded very enthusiastically to the weed re- references so I think we could have <laughs> we could have weed smuggling and that would be okay.
1: Wait um, what do you mean responded enthusiastically smoked weed in your face? No no the uh, the stoner in the
0: movie we saw last week cabin in the woods uh, a lot of his references got flat out like applause to like his his uh, marijuana jokes. Yeah. The audience loved those. So weed is fine these days, especially here in California. Maybe up there in Canada, where you are, Kelly Wand. Mm, um, I but I, I find it interesting that that's one of the things that they want to do for the hero is absolve him of any sort of moral ambiguity. You know, he's this is not flag
1: up here, by the way. Just... <laughs> I don't think that's what that is, Kelly Wand. Leaves three. Put it smoke me. <laughs> Sorry, continue your thought, Tom. Whatever it was.
0: Uh, Well, I'm just saying, so you can't have moral, like, so Kelly Wan, that kind of touches with, like, what you were talking about, where you, because it's kind of weird, the ending that she's not dead, I mean, that's what you do to a body, is you wrap it in plastic, and you dump it in a, and cover it in concrete. Uh, It just felt a little contrived that, oh, she's okay, she'll be fine, like, that she wakes up, like, I really thought they were going to go for some super dark, weird ending. What
1: happens in the Icelandic one? she Same thing,
0: exact same thing, she's fine, yeah. Uh,
1: although I recall that there's a lot
0: more blood in the scene in the Icelandic one. When she hits her head, it looks like something out of a movie. There's like blood all over the radiator dripping down. Uh, but no, she's fine. She'll be okay.
1: Huh. Beckinsale's never died before. Uh, come on. Be. There's got to be some movie where she gets cancer or something. In White really. Squall, she takes a shower. Or does she die? It's like... White Squall? I think you're thinking of <laughs> yeah, the Ridley Scott movie about the... <laughs> the yacht race you know what a stone idiot made that mistake and now i'm paying it forward <laughs> it wasn't originally my mistake white squall where she takes a shower with jeffrey
0: oh uh, uh, was that? blind or no cold, weir- cold storage what was that movie called
1: see uh, it's hard to uh white out ice town white out yes yes uh Whiteout. i didn't even see it or the shower <laughs> ice town how stupid is this conversation right now? <laughs> 51.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. Uh, so, Kelly Wan, guess what happens with the painting in the Icelandic original? So, in this movie, the painting, it's almost like it's the end of a, of a made-for-TV movie where they all drive off laughing and you expect a freeze frame. <laughs> they make weed out of it and everyone in your audience cheers. <laughs> no, but guess what happened in the Icelandic version? Oh um is it Jackson Pollock in the Icelandic one yep same thing same. Really? <laughs> and they, they get it the same way except instead of Panama of course they get it from from the Netherlands ah huh,
1: that's interesting but so you also that's... get this
2: this sense that the guy uh hoogland who's playing the uh the bad guy part actually collects this art and there's actually a, a brief shot of the fact that they're doing a, a a retrospective of American modern art like on a bus like thing. Right. I mean the the movie just has much more economy than this. Movie. Anyway, go ahead.
0: And it makes more sense in Rotterdam too. I don't I don't know how often Jackson Pollock works tour through through Panama City
1: uh or Iceland. What the fuck? He was Rotterdam, uh, the Netherlands. Come on, they love art up there. It's Europe. Yeah, that's true. Panama doesn't make any sense. Where is it? Where the fuck uh was he ever in Panama? Who? Uh Jackson Pollock Ed harris oh.
0: <laughs> Ed Harris,
1: I do Did not know if Pan- Ed Harris ever toured Panama during Did his He ever career. cover Panama at a Wedding with his uh <laughs> Iran Contra band. Uh
0: well in the in the Icelandic version they don't know. You know Dingus, is it that they don't know or they just don't care that it's a big deal? Cuz they they must have wondered why uh Hogland was stealing the the thing, right? I think that it's it's a different situation where where uh
2: they we don't have that huge shootout and then the the chase back to the compound the two guys just run off with it
0: but they see they see him and i'm not sure if this is the case in the mark walberg remake so that's another difference in the mark Wahlberg remake because they've got a bigger budget they get a lot more mileage out of like the scene with the ship hitting the docks and certainly out of that crazy uh shootout you know that's a Big old big budget action set piece kind of thing in panama uh, with the where they steal the painting, but in the in the original one it 's a much smaller set piece. they do have one explosion you know they have the budget for an explosion, so they blow up a truck, but then the rest of it is just a few dudes shooting at each other and they leave it 's very quick, but they see him. They see the thugs take the painting out of the back of the truck and cut it loose from the frame. And then the guy, who, by the way, I loved the guy, the, the psycho, in the Icelandic version. I don't know what they yeah. were thinking with Diego Luna in, the, in the, the the remake, but I loved the guy in the Icelandic version. That guy tells them, take the painting, get out of here. You know, he gives it to right. them and even calls oh. it a painting.
1: Mm.
0: But what I'm wondering, Dingus, is he speaks... Uh, but, like, there's there's something going on in the Icelandic one where the guy in the Netherlands is either speaking Dutch or English, and the two guys from Iceland don't necessarily understand him. So I wonder if there was supposed to be something going on with the, the language where they didn't understand what he was telling them. I, I don't know what was going on there. But I found myself wondering if they're part of this heist to get this painting, and before getting shot, the guy gives them the painting and says, get out of here, what do they think that is? And don't they understand it's something important? And I, I don't have an answer to that.
2: I think he ends up just saying, somebody asks, what is it? And doesn't he just say,
1: it's it's a
2: canvas or it's a tarp or something? Yeah, yeah, well, he even
1: uh, says, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's such a cool reveal to find out it's a Jackson Pollock painting. I'm all, whoa! Well, now, I liked how, the, you know, when I, I saw Contraband first, I, I liked how
0: it, it uh, like, that's an unexpected weird detour. Like, we're going to have a smuggling movie, and in the middle, we're going to have a quick side heist that involves artwork. Uh, right. Like, I liked how that seemed to just come out of left field. Uh, I liked
2: that, too. I liked how it played out in both movies for different reasons. Yeah. And uh, in, 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 in Reykjavik, Rotterdam, it that whole heist almost becomes this weird sort of uh, Keystone Cops kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's this weird element of comedy to it, even to the point where driving the van into the container truck and they suddenly can't open the doors. Right, right. <laughs> There's this this great sort of thing going on.
1: It's, yeah. Is in the Icelandic one, do they have, uh, like shit on their faces so when they get shot in the head, you can't see anything? Like they do in the remake. What? Remember, they were in those masks in the shootout, so when they get shot in the head, it's not as violent. Oh,
0: wasn't it like the, tape oh, the duct tape mask? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I like, like those duct tape masks.
1: No. I want it's to see so someone get shot in the head. Ah, fuck. I'm tired of this watered-down sh- shooting in the head in movies. Raiders of the Lost Ark set a bad standard. Well, this was a PG-13 movie, Kelly Wong. <sighs> wasn't it? No. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, because the pervasive language and non-pervasive head shooting. Right. Uh- <laughs> but I want to. If you see bandages, like a blood squib come out of bandages, you don't even know there's a head in it. What, what no. movies have done headshots correctly, Kelly? Wand. Invisible Man, because the bandages were justified. One two three. That's not the worst one, flying three, ever. And <laughs> All right. Great, Kelly. Get
0: out. <laughs> no, don't go yet, Kelly Wand. What? I we thought need we you, were done. We need you, no, we need you for the 3x3. Three three, especially right. for this 3x3. Three three. This one's right up your alley. Dingus, what gift have you given Kelly Wand for this 3x3? Three three?
2: I've given Kelly Wand the gift of Ooginess. Wow. Yeah, thanks.
1: Thanks for that. So break I down. That. The, yeah, what, what do you I, by Oogie? What's going on here? I already have right. one for my grandma, so I may have to return one of them. <laughs> oh, thank God we're not recording
2: Alright, so the way I described this last week I described uh, watching the movie Joshua Which is a, a weird movie with a, a, a scary little kid in it And there's a refrigerator scare where Vera Farmiga closes the refrigerator door And there's her scary kid standing there And she drops a glass, the glass shatters And then there's a low shot of one of the shards of glasses. like in the middle of the night um, coming up from the shard of glass and you see Vera Farmiga standing there in her bare feet and she's walking forward and you see her foot going down on that shard of glass. Ah! One of those moments, those physical moments in a movie that just makes you go, ah, like Tom just did, or makes you feel like I'm going to throw up right now. Any, any of those physical, physical moments that make you shudder or it's just oogie icky, ah.
0: Alright, so uh Kelly Wan, this sounds like something you would love to discuss. Oh, you know what? But I'm going first. So hold that thought, Kelly Wan. Discussed. Uh I as a as a guy who watches a lot of horror films, like the easy thing to do would be to just go for super painful stuff. But I avoided all of that because I think it is it's it's the it's a real simple way to shock or make someone do that thing where they suck their the air between their teeth and go. Like that kind of thing. It's real easy to do that by by reminding someone of pain. Kelly Wan, I think you were the one who said, was it John Carpenter talking about
1: the thumb slicing and the thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now what did he say about that? He said it gets a wince in every audience it plays in when that guy slits his thumb. Which he thinks is really weird considering all the other shit in the movie that nobody...
0: Right. And the thing is, though, that's because we can all understand that pain. Nobody knows what it's like to have a a monster, you know, your chest rip open and bite off Wilford Brimley's hands. Although it's not Wilford Brimley. Anyway, bite off somebody's hands and then your head sprouts legs and runs off. Nobody can understand that. That's just that's that's (laughs) a complete flight of fantasy. But to have to take a knife, a scalpel and slice open your thumb, everybody understands
1: that. Wait, so which one would you rather undergo? Well, I'm just saying. I,
0: I understand why. I would. I would rather have neither of those happen to me. But slicing your thumb with a scalpel is, is infinitely more relatable. So I, I think that 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 tug that that sort of hits the the audience's empathy switch and makes them go much more easily. So I would. The point being, I avoided those kinds of things. I avoided. I avoided anything that related to my own experience, and just went with things that were not pain related, but that really grossed me out. I don't want to discuss any of them because they are gross, so I will just mention them and we will move on uh, to Kelly Wands. All right, so. I'll mention mine in great detail. (laughs) That's fine. You can discuss yours in as much detail as you want. My number three is uh, a horrible Bernardo Bertolucci movie called The Dreamers, and it involves a sex scene that has. Uh, minstrel blood in, m- involved. All right, so Kelly Wine, what's your number three <laughs> Oogie, gross, icky scene that really gets to you? Blood makes
1: a good lubricant. <sighs> my number three is uh, in the Peter Jackson movie, Dead Alive. Okay, that's my
0: number two, so just mention it and move on, because it's going to gross me out. I'm going to start retching. Is it the pudding? Ah, God! <laughs> Do you
1: I can't mention it?
0: No, don't. I mean actually, you know what? When I get to it, I'm just going to mention it and move on. If you want to discuss it in detail.
1: Uh, Go ahead, tell us grandma, about the pudding scene in Dead Alive. A grandma gets bitten by a rat monkey from Sumatra, so she gets infected, wound on her arm, stringed into a zombie, and to be a bitch, she squirts pus from it into a, some pudding that a fat guy is about to eat, and then he eats it. It's like bloody pus.
0: I seriously like. I, I feel like I'm gonna retch <laughs> just imagining that scene. It's fake though. Like that's. I don't think so. I think they really infected an old lady with a Sumatran monkey.
1: Yeah, but the pudding's fake. <laughs> 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 oh, wing. That's my number three. Dingus, okay. have you seen Dead Alive? I'm gonna say no. Okay. What Dingus really? Is not right. No. Dingus. Oh Dingus no. get Doofuses
0: uh dingus have you seen any of the you've seen heavenly creatures though right
1: oh yes okay dingus, see dead alive i think you'd like it you have weird taste sometimes
0: no don't send dingus to see All dead alive right? or, oh, come or, or, on. You're or, or bad
1: taste or meet the feebles or any No. Like meet the feebles is good but only like to have said you've seen it like it's not that fun to watch i think there's dead no That awesome.
0: yeah, there's no point in being a peter jackson completious for someone like dingus unless you're really into early horror
1: i think dead alive you would think that the humor is funny I think you'd like it. I, I dingus see it and tell us who was right. It was Tom like stop watching it if you're bored?
2: <laughs> All right, Kelly Wand. If if uh, I could see one movie that Thomas told me not to see, should it be Dead Alive or Centipede? Human Centipede. Dead Alive. Dead Alive.
0: Just, just see regular Human centipede. centipede. Don't see humans. Just see yeah. regular Centipede. <laughs> the video game. See White Squall <laughs> to Fifty One. Don't forget Ice Town. See Ice Town. <laughs> All right, so uh, Kelly Wan's number three is my number
1: two. Dingus, over to it's you. A great one, huh? It is a good one. Oh god, I feel sick. Isn't it great? It's uh, such a great movie. There's so many great things in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> the baby, you don't remember the baby at all? No, of course I remember. What are you talking about? But I, that's just that's
0: that's such that's such like effective gross out humor, and that they so milk that scene. Uh, it's it's just. Get it? A- oh god! Oh.
2: <laughs> uh, I feel like I've seen the baby thing because I think Kelly Wan talked about it in Babies That Don't Ruin
1: Movies. It sounds about- You don't think Dingus would like the physical comedy of him in the baby carriage, like banging the, this little doll around? Puppet?
0: You know what? Dingus has played a a video game called Dead Rising, so I think there are parts of Dead Alive that Dingus would appreciate. So it's just that I would I would recommend that he uses his valuable movie watching time seeing other things. Okay, all right.
1: No, he doesn't need (laughs) to see valuable things. Better off Dead Alive.
0: All right, Dingus. What is your number three before I before I hurl here?
2: All right. Well, I'm glad you said hurl because this movie this is one of the there's been a couple of movies where I can remember almost actually hurling in the theater and I remember the physical sensation of watching this particular scene and almost throwing up and actually having to put my hand over my mouth and will myself not to throw up.
1: Hmm. Did you throw up though?
2: No, I didn't. I just felt myself, I felt that, that gorge rising. I felt myself in that particular scene I felt it happening and I, I don't think I could watch this movie again because of it. Even though I think I'd like to, because
0: I like a lot of the people in it. You, so here's you told me you haven't even mentioned the movie, and I'm, I'm already disgusted by it. All
2: right, yeah. I, I think you'll be further disgusted when you find out what it is. Here's a here's a quote from it: "Tried to get in my mouth. What kind of thing want to want you to eat it? Oh, Slither. Yep, Slither. So there's a moment in Slither, which I actually saw in a movie theater with uh, one of the people on this podcast. Aw, um, oh, that's where. Fun. One of those little slither creatures, there, there's a, there's a woman and I don't remember the exact, I don't have the details of the exact moment. Like, I think she's like standing in a barn and looking up and one of these things is forcing itself down her throat. And for some reason at that moment, I suddenly felt like I'm going to lose it. Um, and I, I went around looking at stuff about this movie and there's this little bit that James Gunn writes about it on his blog, and this is what he says, that he was out having dinner with his brother, uh, Brian, and Brian asked him, what's the scariest thing I could think of? A vision th- flashed through my mind, a woman on her knees going into convulsions with her eyes rolling into the back of her head as a foot-long red parasite burrowed through her mouth into the back of her throat, flapping its tail like a docked trout. And so, The scariest thing James Gunn could think of was the thing that almost made me throw up in a movie theater, and that's just one of those moments. There's been a couple of others, but that's the one that's most vivid for me, where I was just like, oh, I felt my body almost
0: convulse. You know what? That's not – and that's such a trauma thing, too. That's not scary. That's just gross.
2: I know it's not scary, and this, that's not what this topic is about. It's about things that make. Well,
0: no, but that's what James Gunn is saying. The scariest thing he could think of is just something that's gross. I mean, that's yeah, such yeah. a that's such a trauma sensibility. I'm so glad you misunderstood the question. It's yeah, also so. got a
2: weird Freudian vibe to it, in that he admits that's the scariest thing to him, is really telling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. TMI.
1: That's <laughs> what telling. Coming from me, that should be pretty har pretty harsh. All right, Slither. Uh, so, Tom,
2: I demand that you uh, talk in detail about your number two now, please.
0: Dead Alive. Mm. Kelly Wan, what is your number two oogie gross-out moment
1: in a movie? Uh, a lot of them, a lot of gross moments for me are fingernail-related. Mm.
0: So is I was George, trying to
1: think of George Clooney involved in this one. No, that's a good one, but it's not, you don't see anything. So what I was picking, I don't want to ruin anyone else's, but there is a there is a running tradition of it seems like most chicks who turn into ghosts have bad luck cuticle wise. But <laughs> the stir of echoes and the ring and the grudge, they all had like. But my personal favorite fingernail thing is uh, the fly, because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's really uh, he's really determined to find out what's under there, isn't he? He could leave it on with the squirt too. After I don't know, that's my number two. Although is, the scene that they cut out, uh, have you ever seen the scene online of the deleted scene that was that was made audiences throw up with the cat? It looks like bam, a baboon cat, and then like a leg comes out of his abdomen, and he like I think he chews it off. <laughs> what <laughs> you don't see? You haven't seen this? Oh, you go to YouTube and find the deleted scene from The Fly. They shot him at this... The audience it made audiences too ill, so they cut it.
2: You're talking uh, about the the newer one, right?
1: The Goldblum one. Yeah. Okay.
2: What's newer than that? Nothing, because there's an older version. <laughs> so I was checking on. because there's a moment in that in that movie that also oh, when I I watched it online for a different one we did um, uh, one of uh, Tom's like when the audience knows something the characters don't, uh, and I watched that that barfing on the donut moment made me... <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait! He knew that though. That's right? not the that, that's not the moment I picked. I just watched a lot of the movie, and when we got to the donut part, I was like, Ugh.
1: "He's also doing that with his girlfriend, and she videotapes him, which is even awesome." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the flies a good bit. It's classic uh, body dysmorphia. Has, there's a whole even word for that. And that's when he's banging Gina Davis in RL. Like, that's the scene where she went, I really love this actor. (laughs) Was the donut scene. All
0: right, so Dingus, what is your number two scene for something that made you feel icky? All right, here's a quote from it. Are you cool with Staples? Ah, good. Mm. I like this one. Uh, Another body dysmorphia movie. All right, so this is from The Wrestler.
2: Uh, 2008, Darren Aronofsky, and it's the Necro Butcher, um, scene with, uh, Randy. And it's not the staples, though. That's the, the, the you know, him describing this. I love the way this, this sequence is shot. I, I didn't get this movie the first time I saw it, and then I came to really love it. Um, and I didn't remember it that you have the, the lead up scene, then the, a really quick scene in the ring and then 14 minutes earlier where everything shows up and you're cutting back and forth between the wounds. So it's not the staple wounds for me. It's this moment, barbed wire for some reason always has freaked me out. Uh, I remember when I was growing up in Colorado having to squeeze under a barbed wire fence and it raking down my back. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> So the, really? the ring, the ring in, yeah, yeah, uh, barbed wire freaks, freaks
1: me the hell out. I don't know why. I was going really um, to Tom, like, ah, dig is almost, but the, um, that's final column in, infection. <laughs> the the, the
2: ring, of- the ring in the ne- necro butcher scene is filled with barbed wire. And I'm thinking, well, well, surely that's all doled down or whatever. And it, and at one point, uh, Randy gets thrown back into the ring. And there's this, cl- and he looks down at himself, and it's, there's this close-up shot of him pulling wire out of a uh, wound in his abdomen. Um, and it's just that moment where he pulls the barbed wire out of his abdomen, and then you realize, oh, well, that, that's why that guy a few minutes ago was saying, let me get the glue for this wound. That's where that wound came from. It's just barbed wire. Um, and this comes dangerously close to the whole wound management thing I did a couple weeks ago, but it's just that moment of that barbed wire in his abdomen. Just, uh.
0: First of all, Dingus is called Bob Wire.
2: Oh, Bob Wire. Sorry. Uh,
0: second of all, I was in, I guess, I don't know, third nom. grade and yeah. not nom. This was like nom. This is nom for <laughs> third graders. Assumed. We're going on a, on a class hike and before we go, the, the teachers are like, don't go out into the grass. You know, stay on the path. There's snakes. You know, don't go out. You know, the snakes are off the path. If you go off the path, the snakes will get you. Be careful of snakes. Stay on the path. Stay with the adult. Or there's snakes out there. Be careful of snakes. You know, this is drilled in our head before we go. So we go on the hike. And at one point, sure enough, one of the girls goes off the path and starts (laughs) shrieking bloody murder just screaming her head off, and she comes running out of the tall grass, and there's a snake that has lodged its fangs into her foot, and she's running, and it's, she's dragging along this snake behind her, and she's screaming, and we all start screaming because this snake is latched onto her foot and is going to get us next, and the parents or the chaperones, teachers or whatever, like, okay, everybody settle down, settle down, and they go over to the girl and, and dislodge a piece of bob wire that got caught in her pants that <laughs> we all were freaked out by because we thought... She had a snake on her. <laughs> uh, so that's ever since then, Bob Wire has. I've been traumatized by wait, Bob Wire. So I'm you're myself. all
1: retarded. <laughs> we're, we're kids. What do you
0: expect? Yeah, Bob Wire been, snake. We'd he's, been he's conditioned to worry about snakes. So when this shrieking girl comes running out of the brush with he's some right. long thing trailing behind her leg, we just assume there was a snake latched onto her foot
1: because that's that what snakes do. Penis? because that would have been my first guess
0: first of all I don't know if you've ever seen one of those but they look nothing like barbed wire <laughs> what, second so? of all we we're in third grade Kelly way inappropriate uh, I hope you're uh, proud sorry <laughs> <laughs> all right so Dingus the Wrestler very good my number one I'm just going to mention it we're going to move on uh, wait wait uh, oh yes
1: one last question for Dingus okay. did you see the movie barbed wire it's a remake of Casablanca okay I'm done not many people know that wait
0: a minute why what Dingus didn't answer. So I've things,
2: seen, I've seen Bob Wire.
0: No such movie? But there is a movie called Wire. Did you know it's a remake of Casablanca, Kelly Long? Because I have seen it. Have you seen it?
1: Yeah. Okay. You're crazy. What's Why the song? Heard? What's the Play It Again Sam song in that movie?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with some Guns N' Roses tune. Is that that makes more sense.
1: Oh, wait, so she's Humphrey Bogart? Pamela Anderson? Come on, or? are you serious? Barbed wire. Totally,
0: yeah, it's totally a remake of of Casablanca, where they have to get her boyfriend. I forget who plays her boyfriend. They have to get the, the the transit papers, and
1: yeah, it's totally a Casablanca thing. All right, I remember the Humphrey Bogart part where he's he's at the stripper bar dancing in slow motion, <laughs> and, and all the water. I don't remember any of the other parts that are saying. Dingus, you know what Kelly Wong? When Kelly Wong was telling you to watch
0: Dead Alive, don't watch that. Instead, rent Barbed Wire with Pamela Anderson. Mm. Because no. it is a
1: remake of Constantine. All right, remember that when you watch those movies back-to-back. Who recommended which movie? <laughs> All
0: right, here's
1: a line from my number one. Ready? diki Dicky Dicky. Ah. D- uh, <laughs> the tickles loose balls. That is gross. That made me shudder. <laughs> pleasure.
0: So Audition has this really grotesque torture stuff in it, but it's not even that. That's not the stuff I'm talking about because, again... Anybody can see that and, of course, wince at it and imagine, no, that would be terrible. The really gross-out part is uh, the feeding of the man in the bag. And that's all I'm going to say, and let's move on to Kelly Wan's number one gross-out or oogie uh, scene from a movie.
1: Is Kelly- it like a human centipede kind of thing?
0: I, I, I'm just already getting a tummy ache just thinking about it.
1: All right. <laughs> And Centipede didn't make my list. Uh, Kellyanne, I'm really surprised you have not seen audition. That's all I'm going to say. You, it, well, I saw that one part, and I figure if that's the part people are all jizzed about,
0: if you you are not allowed to grief dingus for having not seen Dead Alive until you see audition,
1: is griefing him uh, uh, kneeling under him and going tiki 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 tiki. <laughs> oh, guys,
2: I'm going to say it's oh. useless to watch one part of audition and not get the whole
1: thing. Right. I just want to know if they get the part or not. I don't need to see the whole fucking audition. <laughs> well, Am I missing yeah. something? You're missing tiki tiki. having seen the movie, yes. yes. Is Tiki 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 the last thing you hear in the movie? Nope. Is it the first thing you hear in the movie? Nope. Okay. It's, it's, it's in the middle. <laughs> all right, now then I know enough.
0: All right. Well, I mean, what is your... Begins, th- ends, and middles. And stuff in the center, yeah. Uh, so what is your number one pick for a, a gross-out or icky or oogie-making scene in a movie?
1: When divine ate dog shit and pink flamingos. Cause oh God! Flamingo. I knew you would go there. What? What? I'm not allowed to? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, I knew
0: Dingus was, wasn't going to bring up any John Waters.
1: You know what was the worst part for me It was that um, that it was fresh. Like it's still, it's still like unrotten tomatoes. Yeah, it's a 51. That's legally fresh, according to Sammy Hagar.
0: Great, Kelly. Fuck you. All right, that's my uh, number one. Kelly, yes. was, what? Uh, what? What's John Waters' last movie? Like, I know I hear him being interviewed, and, and he's you know he's a yeah. big opponent of kitsch and stuff. But what's the last thing he did? Uh, not interviews.
2: Interviews with one of the Charles Manson women. Did you do a movie about that? Well, he had, he and
0: uh, not Squeaky Frome. Is it Squeaky Frome or who's the? Yeah, like he's he he Squeaky visits one of them in prison. I I think. Uh, and
1: goes tiki tiki, tiki. <laughs> it's okay. not just visiting them in prison I mean he's crusaded for visitors. right right um, but I didn't know I'll look it up and pretend that I just know it all of a sudden,
2: But that, that's you know. not a movie I, I, I thought he'd done like some sort of documentary or something.
0: okay he could have I don't know alright so uh, Kelly Wand is the uh, that's the opposite of the movie it's- John Waters uh, proponent on the quarter to three movie podcast dingus what do you have to rival that right, here's a quote from it. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, what's wrong with you? Don't shoot in there. Mangus. Is Kelly Wand right, Dingus? Is your movie Mangus? It's not Uh.
1: Mangus.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't think I've seen it. That's a terrible quote. Hey, hey, what's wrong with you? Don't shoot in there. Oh, it's got to be Fight Club, where Edward Norton shoots the gun near the van loaded with explosives. No. Okay, then I don't know it. All right. Here's the
2: here's the little bit of dialogue that leads up to it. Mm-hmm. That shit don't look too good. Yeah, it don't feel too good either, man. But little stuff will take care of that.
0: So it sounded like you were doing ethnic voice, ethnic voice. <laughs> so that I don't narrows know. it down. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Dingus. To Indiana and Ireland. All
2: right. This is a movie by the same director as the director of my second movie. It's called Requiem for a Dream. And the moment is yeah, when what are the
0: gross out moments in that what?
2: when Harry shoots up into his abscessed wounded arm. Oh
0: God! Is, oh oh,
1: dingus! So unnecessary. Oh, just I thought it's when he shoots up ass to ass.
2: That needle going into you remember when the needle goes right into that little?
0: No, I don't. I don't at all. I, I do not even in the slightest. Oh God! Have, Have you me, seen that movie, Tom? <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna be sick. Uh, by the way,
2: um, there's a woman in Requiem for a Dream who's also in Contraband, I
0: think. What? There's one woman, exactly one woman in Requiem, well, two, at least. Ellen, uh, versus three, three, three. That's right. So there's three women in Requiem for a Dream. Which one of them is in Contraband? Um, it, her name is Olga
2: Meredes. Oh yeah, maybe, not. maybe she's not. I she in some other you. movie I did this week. Never mind, forget it. All right,
1: okay. So Why am freaking out? Just
2: happened. What's going
0: <laughs> on? All right, so uh, "Requiem for a Dream" Dingus is number one. What Old runners parents. up did you guys have? I this I don't think there's anything in this movie, and I, I put this down to uh, a bad like bad mayonnaise and a chicken sandwich I got at McDonald's before I saw the movie. But when I went to see an Abel for a vampire movie called "The Hung," no. Is it the the addiction? Uh, when I went to see the addiction, I distinctly remember, and I think it was like black and white, and I'm pretty sure there were some like gory blood drinking scenes. But I distinctly remember at one point having to get out and walk out of the theater and just sit in the lobby with like my head in my hands for a moment, thinking I was actually going <laughs> to hurl. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't the movie that it was just something I ate beforehand. Uh, hmm. But I, uh, so
1: that's had you that. eaten film footage.
0: Like I, had, I had eaten some kind of, like, fast food chicken sandwich is all I remember, and that's what I blame it on. Euphemisms. <laughs> Other runners-up, what do you guys I'll got? Let,
1: uh, in 127 hours, it's not where really, he cuts his arm, it's yeah. when, he, when he breaks his arm again. And it's the sound effects. Sound, yeah. That kind of freaked me out. You know how they do that, Kelly Wand? Fresh celery. Yeah, that's why I always faint when I'm uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, other <there's> <laughs> oh, for, it's more for him. Uh, yeah, I like the cool.
2: moment where um, Rucker Howard pushes a nail through his hand and Blade running More than the fingers
1: breaking. Yeah, really. That's what I would think, Dingus. Mm. Are you being? Are you? Are you trolling us, motherfucker? I don't troll. Motherfucker.
0: Uh, and certainly uh, George Clooney getting tortured in
1: Syriana. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the weighty game. That was kind of gross. Too.
0: You know what? I see, wherever I, I, every now and then I'll see in a movie, and this is real fashionable these days, uh, someone getting waterboarded. And. I, of course, have never been waterboarded, but I've heard that it's terrible. (laughs) But when I watch somebody getting waterboarded, I'm like, so what? Big deal. Like, it's not – it doesn't make the visual splash of, like, bending someone's fingers back. (laughs) Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, So I see waterboarding in a movie, and I know it's supposed to be terrible, but it it doesn't – it's not nearly as cinematic. You know, it's not as cinematic Mm in a form of torture. Ooh,
1: waterboarding. Right. Yeah. Um, Tom? Yes? Are you you part of – are you – do you want our nation to fail? And I'm referring, of course, to Canada, our nation. We need to go back to the good old days of Abu Ghraib. I don't, I don't know what that means.
0: <laughs> so I did see, what, what was it? I don't remember the movie. But I remember a movie where uh, they have to torture someone. And it was uh, It was like some kids. It wasn't like professional torturers or anything. It was, just like, it was like just some thugs. Am- How can we torture amateur torturers? So what they do is they tied someone up. And they took, like, a soda can, and and they shook it up to where it was all carbonated, and they held it up to the dude's nostril. So it was like shooting Mm -hmm. carbonated water up his nostril. Did it work? I think so. Yeah, I think in the movie that it was, like, a terrible, painful, horrible thing. Uh, So uh, if you ever have to torture someone, that's apparently an effective way to do it. I'm assuming it doesn't leave any damage. Uh,
1: I had a shut the worst shutter moment I've ever seen in a movie is when Thomas Jane sticks a popsicle on that guy's back. Kelly won. That's not true. Oh. <laughs> Listen, that's not my cat. Listeners. Just So we know. So other runners up, anyone? Does the crying game count? Uh. <laughs> uh, all right.
0: Here's what we got for next week. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. So uh, last week we saw a movie that had a, uh, a couple, it had, a, it had these levers that you had to pull. Uh, and the way they were introduced was kind of cool because at one point in the movie you see these shuttered these sort of like shuttered covers on the wall in a control room kind of situation. And you're like, that's stupid. What is that doing back there? And then later on they roll the shutters up and there's a lever that they pull and it has something to do with the movie. There's also a great point in the movie where characters push a button that says purge. Uh, it's a, it's a notable moment in cabin in the woods. Uh, so there's a, there's a cool lever and a cool button in cabin in the woods. uh, However, what really uh, is the inspiration for this 3x3 is my favorite movie from last year, Hannah, in which flipping a switch figures very prominently into the the early part of the movie. Uh, So I'll talk a bit about why I like that in Hannah, but I'm taking it off the table along with Cabin in the Woods for this 3x3, which is your favorite switch, button, or lever in a movie. (laughs) Now, it can be the actual mechanics of the switch button or lever. It can be the act of pushing it. You can do what you want with this, but it has to be a switch, button, or lever. And I don't want any general things like, oh, I liked the interface of Minority Report, or, you know, I don't want to hear about the controls in some movie. I want a specific switch, button, or lever. Uh, Question? Yes. What? Trackball. Nope, no trackballs. Switches. Buttons or levers, so you cannot use that James Bond movie where he has to play that game on that globe. If that's what you were thinking of,
1: oh, see, that's Suck a lever and a button <laughs> and a switch. You,
0: oh. <laughs> you know what? If you, want it, if you want to try to use it, if you want to try to sell that, then uh, you know, give it a shot next week.
1: What do I have to do to sell it? Just oh,
0: have you just have to, convi- to convince it. the judges.
1: Yeah, uh, I probably can't do that. You
0: know, you got a week to think of something. Um, so it's not time
1: to think of something usually
0: uh and we will be seeing oh before we go kelly one did you want to tell us something about canada do you have a canada
1: anecdote that you wanted to relate oh you mean a canada A Can anecdote? yes okay yeah so i was in the train the other day and uh i heard an old woman behind me go we're in the train's moving by the way that might help the story <laughs> and then the old woman behind me goes grandma will tell you when to get off and then i, I laughed but then none of the canadians did so that's how I knew I was in Canada. It's not funny to anyone except me, the American. I don't Why was that funny? Because it's child porn. <laughs> Joke. Dingus, la- Dingus laughed really hard at it, so he likes child porn too. What the? Kelly Wand. Canada, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Next uh, week I'll have another one.
0: And next week we will be seeing The Raven. In uh-huh. which uh, John uh, Cusack plays Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, join us for that, as well as our three-by-three three of our favorite buttons, levers, or switches. My name is Tom Chick, and I've been joined by Christian
1: M- 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 Mulally. It's Christian Muraski And Kelly Wand. Does next week's movie sound good? Nevermore. Desk. I read my best. I understand. It's because they're like working class characters. Wow. You know, working for the weekend. I thought this song's about stalking. Or is that Private Eyes?
0: Everybody's working for the weekend. <laughs>
1: I <don't remember> that was <laughs> no, about song. stalking. I don't remember. First, I well, this isn't song- even Hall and Oates. This is
0: not Hall & how dare you. This is Loverboy, and they're Canadian, I believe. You of all people
1: should know that, Kelly Wand. Oh. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> not as good as Hall & though. They're Canadian, too.
2: Oh,
1: I don't nice. Know. It's, it, but it's Hall & Get it? <laughs> fun freak. Anyway... Everybody. That was Kelly Wan with his lover boy coming home. Oh, I get it. Lover boy that thinks about the heart. I get it. Well, this podcast is over, listeners, but you're still here. So, Dingus, play us out. <laughs> well, it's no
2: A-team, but it's the best we can do.